the sun. Okay, you can't. That wasn't the way we're going to start this. I was actually thinking that since we're up at the cottage with your parents, and we do have great, interesting conversations with your dad a lot. And I was, yeah, yeah, sorry. Definitely with both of them. Your dad just tends to be more vocal about it. I was thinking we should record some, see if they'd be open to recording. Yeah, Mom we, won't say anything, but. That's untrue. We'll get her going. When she knows it's recording. She'll be reluctant at first, but we can get her into it. And she'll forget about it. Um, but it, I think your dad would love that. Yeah, it, it may draw out a, a, different, a different side of him. side that's being recorded. Right. Be interesting. And the reason I just thought of that was because that yes, you're going that way. Um, it was because your voice just changed immediately when you knew that it was going to be recorded. Untrue. Mm, no, it did. So did yours. Do you think so? Yeah. I was actually thinking that it would be interesting, probably just to me, maybe to you, to look at how my my voice or my tone changed with the different people on my podcast because I already notice that there is differences yeah you're more um, you're pronunciating more enunciating yeah enunciating I well that is true and I partially I do that because it slows me down a bit and I think it actually sounds better when and I'm presenting or on recordings or whatever. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, what would you... Well, I was just going to say congrats that you're actually <laughs> A, recording these and B, putting them out into the world. It's pretty impressive. You know, I actually had this thought the other day. After the conversation we had when Sam was over... And I was saying how if you, these things are going to keep coming back and those themes are going to show up in your life and whatever you're passionate about or whatever you're meant to do and you know all that rhetoric that I always say is basically like the, you know, we're all supposed to do something or whatever. We have this path, this journey that we are, are doing and there's themes to it and anyway, do you remember I was talking about that? Okay, well... Regardless, um, I was thinking after that about how excited I am about doing this Mandyland podcast and how many different ways it's actually attempted to come out of me and never has. So the very first iteration of this was my backup plan if I didn't get into... Actually, no, I'm sorry. Um, Georgia and I, in like high school we're gonna try to do like a talk show right yeah I guess this is your talk show it is my talk show and my backup plan if I didn't get into grad school the first time was gonna be to do a talk show and I joked about it right but it kind of was serious and you know kind of what prevented me from doing those early on was there was no like medium to do it right the only option would have been like channel 11 in Winnipeg which is the shit local channel that anyone on there would got made fun of but like literally I would have submitted a proposal to them because I needed to do something right sorry you wouldn't like you didn't yeah oh because you got into grad school yeah um and then there's like so many other 
places where it just came up and you know even Glenna and I talked about doing a talk show for the clinic at Balance about right. naturopathic stuff um, I've thought about doing my own podcast several times anyway it's just like this idea won't die and part of what I like about this manifestation of it is that it's not a talk show it's conversation so it's just guaranteed in my mind good conversations to evolve and I don't have to prepare anything I don't have to be interviewing someone else it's like an engagement yeah 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 and like specifically it's not um it's guaranteed to be like as long as you're engaged engaging for you yeah yeah. As opposed to, like, maybe it's engaging for other people, but at the very least, it is guaranteed to be engaging for you. I know. Which and is great. part of me was like, I don't actually even care if yeah. no one likes this. And because I feel so confident in that I enjoyed it, I liked it. Right. And, you know, if someone else likes it, great. Yeah, I was listening to. Um, a podcast by the they're from This American Life mm-hmm. um, and they also they just did um, one of the this guy, this producer was involved in in Serial yep. and then he did the next kind of one that was co-produced by Serial and This American Life right. it's called Shit Time Shit Town did okay. you hear that one? Um, no. You haven't listened to Shit Town? No. You gotta. It's really interesting. Is it? Okay. I don't know. It's, I guess, you know, a mini documentary, I guess you could say, in, in podcast format. It's like, I don't know, 10 episodes or 6 episodes or something. Probably around 10. And it's, um, they did it as, almost like as an oral novel. Um, huh. Anyway, lots of nuances, but the reason is that it I brought no, it's fact, it's <coughs> nonfiction. But the reason that I brought it up is because I listened to the producer of it afterwards on another podcast called Long Form, also one of my favorites, um, and they were asking him about his style, and he was like, or the audience, like, how do you tailor your stuff to the audience that you're producing for? He was like, to be honest, we don't care about our audience at all. Like they're is no like it is literally we just indulge in things that we are interested in and have some level of trust that there will be somebody out there that will be interested as well um and i think that's a like you've said that in a lot of different ways and a lot of different things that you've done um which is like this weird thing that i actually don't think was like a really like a valid I don't know if valid's the right word but like it didn't make sense to me like when I was eight years ago because the media like the social like the internet hadn't blossomed enough the like social media hadn't blossomed enough um, podcasts etc hadn't been there but now it's I think that's a very valid and really liberating and really cool thing like kind of perspective to have because you 
if you're willing to put yourself out into the world, I, I think, and you're willing to do it regularly and for a long period of time, they're like guaranteed there's, there's an audience out there that will find anyone doing anything interesting. Right. But that same philosophy of not doing it for other people. Yeah. I've, when I started talking about that, whatever you're talking about eight years ago, that wasn't, I've talked about it a lot longer than that, but it wasn't just about podcasts. It was about everything in life. Yeah, I know. Okay. So now it makes sense from that podcast, but I mean, I applied that to what I was doing in the lab, my research. Right. I, but I don't, yeah, but yeah, I think it was just riskier back then. Like you may not, not in life. Just Yeah. No, I think in life because no. Yeah. But if you didn't find a receptive audience for that, then you would have done shit that was interesting to you, but you may not have gotten um, okay. a yes. reward for it. It's more risky. It yeah. was more risky then, but yeah. I still think the philosophy applies. I mean, as a researcher, I would lo- I mean, there's many more constraints because of grants and everything, but generally I was doing it because I was interested I wasn't doing any of my research because of the therapeutic value if I'm honest right Right. not because of whatever it's because I was literally curious about what was going on in the brain the trust aspect was that this was valuable for someone to know and at you know really the audience that only needs to be one person or one other lab to say this is really cool I can take this data and then apply it to this and then someone else finds the therapeutic value or finds a cure or whatever right I mean I think that's actually important for basic research it's like you're not doing this for any other purpose and that's actually one of the problems with funding basic research is that it's not you don't just give scientists like hundreds of do- thousands of dollars to say go do whatever you want and trust that if they've been you're saying the way that basic science is funded right now yeah you have to say what's the value who is this for you know and it may not be for anybody else that there we may not know why we're studying something but if you believe it so you should be investing in scientists and say look I trust your mind or I trust your intellectual capacity or your your design whatever it is and say you go do whatever you want. And I've had a conversation with a, like, a, you know, full professor at U of T about this. And he, he's the one that said, yeah, just give scientists money and don't, don't give them constraints. That's how you get innovation. Yeah. Do you think we've moved? Like, do you think young scientists would... would respond well to that kind of open brief now like if let's just say for whatever reason let uh funding bodies started flipping back to the old no. school method do you think i would think young scientists probably, would be able to do it no i think 75 percent of them would flounder and they wouldn't know what to do with it because i don't know actually that's a tough shifted. one we've shifted our i think the good ones would rise out because i I mean, this also relates to my belief that some people are there, you know, for not because they're just curious and 
yeah, I don't know. I I think some people would not do well under that model because they haven't been trained. They haven't been working under that model. But that is science. Like that is old school science. It is, but like a scientist should just be curious. Like well, a maybe. scientist shouldn't shouldn't be there to find a cure. Like if you tell me what my goal is, that's going to be inherently biased in the research. Biasing and just like limiting. It's like I mean, even from a, like, your, you know, design, research, design, that kind of design, whatever your other design is that you guys have. What do you, what is that other design that you do? Design. You guys just, you know, like, I'm not talking about scientific design, like. Oh, are you talking about research? No, your design. What kind of, your design. <laughs> like, the design perspective, like, design thinking and all that right. stuff. Like, it's not, like, it's, it's convergent thinking before there's even any divergence. No. To say this is your goal? Oh, oh, yeah. In, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah your, right. I'm saying in, your type of design. Yeah, would, in product design or design thinking, human-centered design. Yeah, it's, you always diverge, you always open up, you absorb before you start working towards a goal. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, scientists are doing that, but I mean, they... I don't know. I mean, there's people who go into research because they want to find a cure for cancer, which is hard. <laughs> and that's not, that's not, anyway, that's a tough uh, career to start as opposed to being, I'm doing this because I'm curious about how cancer works. Mm-hmm. You can find a career or a cure by doing that, but it just sounds like a lot of pressure to me. As opposed to just being curious. Well, good thing you're not a researcher anymore. A funded researcher. No, I am a conversationalist. It's not this one. I'm a conversation. I'm trying to think of what my new title will be. I don't think I can say talk show. I'm a podcaster. Do you, I'm a conversationalist. Uh, all right. Have you lost the... You don't like the title provocateur anymore? I do, but I don't say it. Yeah, it's a little, little pretentious. Yeah. And esoteric. Yeah. I feel... You'll get a lot of glazed over faces from that. Finding, this is it. We're driving, by the way, back to the cottage from in town after grocery shopping and wine and whiskey and beer shopping. Yeah, finding a title is one of my great challenges. Is it an important challenge? Do you need a title? No, I, I don't. Moving on then. But people expect one. People expect you to have a title. What do you do? What are you? What do you do is very different. Well, what do I do? I can't answer that question either. You are a podcast host. You're an author. I'm a podcast producer. Okay. You have a podcast? Why don't you just say you have a podcast? Sure. 
I have a podcast. I write. I teach at university. I run a company. I life coach. I teach yoga. I run an organization called MandyWinting.com. <laughs> I could just say, because I've been thinking about making Mandyland my umbrella, and say, so then I could say I'm I work for Mandyland. <laughs> oh man! I'm gonna try that one out. Because then people say, "What's that?" And then I can go in and list all these things that... Do you think having the umbrella company, <laughs> your umbrella company called Mandyline, don't you think that that's a little, like, limiting? No, because Mandyland... Sounds like a circus event. Well, it depends it on how I market like it. It sounds like a self-centered circus event. Well, it you. is self-centered. That's exactly what I'm saying, what we talked about. It, it is self-centered. It's all, it's for me. And as a result, sometimes the things that I do give value to other people. Don't you think that's a little off-putting, though? Well, I, I don't, but <laughs> I can tell by your tone that you do. I feel like that's a little off-putting. Well, I'm going to think about that. In two ways. One, if you are interested in a professional audience, I feel like this might sound not speaking their language. And then just the self-centered aspect of it. Yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I know, that's a nice cottage. That deck is really nice, too. We're thinking about... So, Mike's parents um, are thinking about... Have been thinking about for probably many years... Uh, building a cottage on the land that they have... Uh, up in... North of Muskoka in Ontario... But their family, Mike included, is notorious for not making decisions. So the chances of this happening are slim to none, would you say? No, slim. Slim. But we'll see. Anyway, there's a cottage down the road that just got built, and they did it by going to home hardware in town and buying the plans and all the material for $100,000 and then getting a contractor to go and build it which means there's only two decisions that have to be made on a grand scheme <laughs> home hardware and then a contractor so th this actually makes it much more likely to actually happen I think that you can't get through there think again well I guess you can if you go this way okay we're back at the cottage <laughs> I know we'll see if the little gobbler has awoken from his nap. <laughs>